0: listening to the happy and healthy podcast with Amy Lang, founder of Moxie Club. When you're looking for lasting weight loss, join us here for the mindset you need, a dash of inspiration and stories that will bring it all to life. Episode number 75. Well, hi there. Amy here. Thank you so much for joining me for another episode of the Happy and Healthy Podcast. And I want to start off today's episode with a special shout out to Danette, who just made my day last friday when i saw her she recently subscribed to morning boost my daily emails and she told me what a difference it's been making for her to start off the day with an inspiring quote and she also recently subscribed to my podcast and the one about the importance of healthy boundaries well <laughs> she told me that it has been life changing so again Thank you so much for listening, for the feedback, and for making my day. It was a great way to start off the weekend. And if you're listening to this podcast, but you haven't signed up for Morning Boost yet, I would definitely encourage you to do so. And if you haven't actually checked out some of my other free resources on my website, I would encourage you to do that as well. Who knows, it may be a life-changing moment for you as well. So, with the official start of summer, right? The 21st was last Monday. Do you have any plans? Practically everybody that I see right now is asking that question, right? Do you have any plans for the summer? And if you do, then my question for you is, does the thought of going on summer vacation and wearing shorts or a bathing suit or having your picture taken, is that a trigger for you to wanna to lose some weight? If the answer is yes, then here are some sneaky diet mentality thoughts that may be creeping in for you, right? One might be, okay, I'm gonna start tomorrow, (laughs) right? Or sometime afterwards. And maybe as a result of wanting to start tomorrow, you might be thinking about um, planning a last supper, if you will, right? (laughs) Before the, the official start of whatever weight loss effort you're going to be embarking on. Or the opposite might be happening. Maybe as opposed to starting something, one of your first thoughts is, okay, I've been doing Weight Watchers consistently now since the beginning of the year, and with vacation, I'm going to take a break. And what I want to point out here is that all of these are actually examples of the diet mentality, right? This is not a conversation about habits, because when you go on vacation, you're still going to brush your teeth, right? I used to always say that with folks when they wanted to join the health club, right? And maybe we had a fitness challenge going on. They would say, you know, these next 30 days or six weeks, you know, are totally doable. I can, I can make sure that I Come and attend three times a week. All right. So, what's the difference between what you do when you're wanting to lose weight, and say brushing your teeth, or you know, eating two or three times a day? Right. The difference is these truly are habits. We have practiced them almost every day of our life. Right. Hopefully, more than once a day. So when you look at the difference between diets and habits, this concept of taking a break or starting tomorrow really isn't part of the conversation, right? Because diets and a lot of other weight loss programs are all about restriction in one form or another, right? They're about what you're supposed to do, what you should and shouldn't eat, right? Counting calories, tracking points, not eating certain foods, or maybe drinking less alcohol. So I am not saying that all weight loss programs are about restriction. I'm talking specifically about those that can easily create states of scarcity because they have limits on quantity based on some external metric as opposed to what your body is telling you. So as opposed to being based on physical hunger, and satiety. So ultimately, we're talking about states of scarcity that are both physical and psychological in nature. So the mistake folks are making when they sign up for these fitness challenges, right? Whether it's 21 days or 30 days or six weeks, I've talked about this before. If you don't make a pivot, from this challenge that gets me started. And look, I am all for triggers if it gets us to take action. But at some point, what we wanna do is shift from that, okay, I'm gonna do this for the next six weeks and then go back to my regular life to really focusing more on process, right? Focusing more on creating a habit like brushing your teeth, something that you want to do for the rest of your life. So if you want to track points or count calories for the rest of your life, then I say go for it. But if that's not something that you want, then that pivot becomes very important. I want you to really think about the things that you are choosing to do and whether or not they're ones that you wanna do from now on. And then another really common mistake is expecting new habits to form in just 21 days. Okay, Because what happens is if we're expecting results in those 21 days and we don't see them, then it's very likely that we'll give up too early. Right, And all we're doing then is we are creating evidence for our brain that whatever we're doing doesn't work. When in reality, if we had just given it more time, we would see that it does. And again, this really is about that sneaky diet mentality. Right? And when I'm talking about mentality, I am referring to thoughts or thought patterns that come up over and over again. So when we look at habits, right, we tend to focus on the behavior. That's what we can see. But all habits really start with a trigger and then a thought pattern, if you will. So maybe it would be more useful to think of thought patterns as habits right? Because that's how our brain works. So the big priorities for our brain are to protect us and to conserve energy. So to protect us, our brain has a negativity bias running 24-7, right? So this is focusing on things that threaten our safety and security, which means we are far more likely to stay in our comfort zone than to step out of it, right? And yet that's the only way we can change and grow. So we do have some competing priorities here because once our wants and needs are met, we definitely also have the desire to learn and grow. But oftentimes when our brain perceives a threat, Even if things don't make us happy, we're safer with the devil we know, right? So in protecting us, that negativity bias is alive and well and doing its level best to keep us in our comfort zone. And then confirmation bias is also something that we need to be aware of. And it is all about recognizing patterns as a way to conserve energy, right? Our brain recognizes this pattern, and if it has solved this problem before, then it's gonna go to that set of actions. This is why we actually have formed habits, because it it saves our brain from having to spend a lot of time and energy and effort making conscious, deliberate choices, So again, when we want to make a change, right? if we're in a state of any kind of deprivation or scarcity, our brain will most likely want to put on the brakes because change is scary. Change is uncertainty. And even for something like worrying, which is really unpleasant and can create all kinds of stress. As a matter of fact, I think we've all been there and we know someone who probably can't help themselves. Worrying is like a natural state for them, right? And they can worry about practically anything. So for a vacation, as folks are planning, there might be questions like, will people have fun? How will I look in pictures? What activities do I need to plan? So depending on how that question comes up, right? Like, will people have fun? It's a very different question from what kind of activities do I want to plan so that people will have fun, If you just even think about which actions you take, depending on how I phrase that question, You can see that some people who like to worry (laughs) will literally just go with the, well, people have fun. So when you phrase it that way, it's disempowering because you have no control over whether or not people will have fun. You only have control over creating the conditions, right? And so phrasing it this way, Asking the question in this form has a tendency to create stress. So, when you are trying to make change, if you find yourself negotiating and coming up with reasons as to why not to take action, then if you keep losing out on these negotiations, it's very easy to wind up feeling unmotivated and even defeated. Because without taking action, those consistent actions, then you're very likely not going to get the results that you're looking for. So if this is not what you want, then as Dr. Phil says, do something different. And here, I would suggest that we really learn how to practice using a voice of compassion and kindness. So, When we talk about those thought patterns, those familiar ones are the ones that keep us in our comfort zone. And oftentimes they really are the glass half empty comments. Okay, so one thing I want to talk about here when we talk about habits and anything where we're learning something new is to understand what the learning process looks like. Okay, and this is a little different from their learning cycle. Okay, when I talk about the learning cycle, I am talking about that wheel, right, where it starts with the situation and the thoughts that we have about it and how we interpret that situation based on our beliefs and our values and the emotions that stem from that interpretation and the choices that we make the actions that we take, right? Our responses that lead to the results that we get. So that's the learning cycle. The learning process here, I would like you to imagine a two by two grid, okay? And along one axis, we have unconscious versus conscious effort, okay? And then along the other axis, we're looking at, incompetence versus competence. And this is all about building skill. So if we take the example of, let's say, healthy boundaries, in that first square of the two by two grid, I would call that the unconscious incompetent state, right? This is similar to the pre-contemplation stage when we look at the stages of change. So there are a lot of people that don't even realize that boundaries are important. Okay. So if you don't recognize the importance of healthy boundaries, why would you work on them? So one example I gave in the podcast about the importance of healthy boundaries was saying no when you actually don't want to do something. As opposed to saying yes all the time. So if you don't realize the importance of saying no, then you'll continue doing it, right? And you might feel resentful and you might feel overwhelmed, but you don't recognize that that is actually a symptom, right, of an unhealthy boundary, so the second square in that two by two grid is what I call conscious incompetence. Okay, so if you still catch yourself saying yes when you want to say no, right? This may be a case where we do need to work on boundaries. Not always, but sometimes. Okay. So maybe you are catching yourself saying yes because you don't want to disappoint someone else, or you're worried about people liking you. So the other thing I talked about was the importance of knowing that the word "no" is a complete sentence. So what have I seen people do here when they're applying this? okay, when they're learning how to take care of their boundaries, is they will say no and then apologize, or they'll say no and give lots of reasons why they can't, right? So again, this goes back to the I still want you to like me, right? Or perhaps if they're realizing for the first time that they have a right to take care of their boundaries, right? This this sort of newfound freedom and permission to say no, then sometimes the no will be said with sort of a righteous indignation, okay? So this is what I would call conscious, but still working on competence, okay? So square number three is conscious competence. And this is where I believe that healthy boundaries mean that we can say no with grace and gratitude. So I say grace and gratitude because understand that when people are asking for something, they are actually trying to take care of their wants and needs, right? So they have a right to do that just like we have a right to take care of our own. So when we're talking about creating competence, I think what's really important here is to go back to how our brain works. So if we're talking about our brain that doesn't want change, right? Doesn't like in uncertainty, then it's really important to provide evidence to our brain of efficacy, that we can do something. And that not only are we safe, but if you build in a reward, then again, it reinforces the actions that we took right? So this goes back to building a new habit, making sure that you understand what the trigger is, that you're really clear on what actions you want to take, and that you build in a reward at the end. And a reward, right? A lot of times we think of rewards as like candy, right? Rewards can be words of affirmation, right? It can be getting a hug. There are different ways that we can celebrate that have nothing to do with food, right? Okay, so if you are looking for more ideas, I dedicated an entire episode to how to trigger happy hormones. That's episode 14. So then number four in this grid, right? This fourth square is unconscious competence. This is, when I look at the stages of change, this is that maintenance phase where we don't have to spend a lot of time making conscious effort, right? There's not a lot of time processing stuff. So in the case of healthy boundaries, we already know that it's important. And then we make choices that align with our values, right? What we deem to be important. And we just make those choices. We say, thank you for inviting me I'm going to pass, okay? So other habits that you can look at might be things like eating five servings of fruits and vegetables, okay? So in that first square of unconscious incompetence, you may not even realize how important it is to get enough fruits and vegetables, right? So if you don't understand the effect of not having enough has on your body, the result is you probably won't do it. So conscious incompetence is about when you realize the importance of getting enough fruits and vegetables, but maybe you're still working on finding ways to eat them enough and eat enough of them consistently. And then when we look at conscious competence, we talk about knowing the importance of having lots of fruits and vegetables, and also having lots of ways to make sure that it happens. And then unconscious competence is that this is really just how you normally eat, right? So in order to create that state of this is just how I normally eat, it takes practice, right? It takes practice to build confidence that you can do it. So I think about walking as something that I'm unconsciously competent with. But if you were recovering from a serious stroke, that may actually take some work to get back to that place. Same with something like public speaking. This is a skill. So the other thing I would like you to consider is that when you're trying to create a new habit, right, I want you to think of something that you're really good at or something that you think would be relatively easy to learn how to do and start with that. Okay. so what do I mean by that? So if you pick something you're really good at, so one of the things that I was always really good at was writing right? And my reading comprehension was always really good. And yet when it came to math, one of the things that I really struggled with was word problems that involved ratios. And then one day, my dad pointed out that these ratios that I was struggling with were just like word analogies, right? A is to B as C is to D. And When he said that, and I looked at the word problems again for math, something just clicked, right? So here my dad was playing to my strengths, okay? Another example of when I talk about thinking about something you're good at is I was a power user of Excel when I worked at Arthur Anderson. And there was another staff member that was also really good at Excel. And I remember one day he said, (laughs) we've just made a lot more mistakes than other people have when it comes to Excel. That's how we got really good at it. And even just the other day, right, I decided I wanted to learn how to play chess. And my boyfriend made the comment after just one game, you're trying to be perfect. Okay, chess is a really complicated game. You gotta be willing to make mistakes so that you can learn, okay? I was sitting there trying to anticipate everything. (laughs) And of course, I still lost. So when I talk about creating new habits, I want you, again, to create situations where you can prove to yourself that you can do something. So in episode 31, I interviewed Kayla Gaffo who was one of my clients. And we talked about how she started with getting more fruits and vegetables into her meals, not just for herself, but also for her husband and her kids, right? And it was something that she thought would be relatively easy to make happen. And it wasn't until about six weeks after we started working together that she admitted that it was really sleep that she wanted to work on. And it was because she figured out how to make fruits and vegetables work that she now had created the confidence to tackle sleep, right? She finally believed that she could figure it out. So whether it's word problems or whether it's using Excel or creating some new habits like eating more fruits and vegetables or exercising consistently, right? It's all about practice. And actually in the book Outliers by Malcolm Gladwell, he talks about his 10,000 hour rule, right? Where you have to practice or have apprenticed for 10,000 hours before you really get good at something. So that expectation of new habits can be created in 21 days, right? I want you to be very wary of those kinds of promises, okay? And actually in the book, So Good They Can't Ignore You by Cal Newport, he talks about how you practice and he calls it deliberate practice. And this is where I'm saying we wanna make conscious decisions about what we're doing and then create evidence for our brain that what we're doing works and that we can figure out how to make something happen. And the way we do that in our practice is with patience and with compassion, right? Success is not about being perfect. Winning isn't about being perfect, right? It's about showing up and playing the game. And in this case, I'm talking about how we show up in our life, right? And playing the game of life. So I'm going to wrap things up today with a quote from the Olympic gymnast, Simone Biles. Practice creates confidence and confidence empowers you. You've been listening to the Happy and Healthy Podcast with Amy Lang. If you enjoyed today's episode, by all means, hit the subscribe button now. If you're ready to get started, visit my website moxyclub.com. That's m o x i e hyphen c l u b.com and sign up for a free 20-minute coaching session with me. And remember, making your choices when you're in a state of abundance is where the magic happens.